When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host, Jake Crumpler. What's up, fellow fantasy managers? Welcome back to another episode of the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. My name is Jake Crumpler, and it's the weekend, so as always, I'll be taking over for Bubba as the host of the weekend editions of the podcast. You can follow me at Jake Crumpler on Twitter and can find all of my work at crumplerbaseball.com. Let's dive into everything baseball related from Saturday, June 3rd. We'll kick it off as always with the transactions, injuries, news, and notes from around the league, starting off with the IL placement. Starting pitcher Justin Steele of the Chicago Cubs was placed on the 15-day IL with a left forearm strain. The Cubs may have dodged a bullet here as forearm strains are usually precursors to Tommy John surgery. However, an MRI revealed no structural damage, so Steele avoided anything serious here. Hayden Wesneski is expected to start Wednesday to replace Steele in the rotation for the next two turns or so. Outfielder Joey Gallo of the Twins was placed on the 10-day IL with a strained left hamstring. Gallo will likely miss the minimum 10 days with that injury he had struggled in recent games, so rest may do him some good. This likely means we'll see more Willie Castro in the outfield for the Twins. Outfielder Tyrone Taylor of the Brewers was placed on the 10-day IL with a right elbow strain. The team also placed Darren Ruff on the 10-day IL with a right knee laceration. John Singleton's return became official in a corresponding move, and Blake Perkins was also recalled and should see some time in the outfield with Tyrone Taylor out. Lastly, we had starting pitcher Marco Gonzalez of the Mariners being placed on the 15-day IL with a strained left forearm. Not great, but it's not really impactful for fantasy, but Brian Wu's promotion is somewhat fantasy relevant as he was officially brought to the major leagues to replace Marco Gonzalez, and he made his major league debut on Saturday, and it went just about as you'd expect against the league's top offense in Texas. He tossed a pair of innings, allowing seven hits and six earned runs with one walk and four strikeouts. He had six whiffs and a 30% CSW. His fastball looked good, but he lacked an effective secondary pitch in this one. In terms of transactions, starting pitcher Nick Lodolo of the Reds was transferred to the 60-day IL. He's still in a walking boot two weeks after being diagnosed with a stress reaction in his left tibia. And now the earliest time he can return is mid-July so we won't be seeing Lodolo for a while and it's very unfortunate considering many were expecting a big season from the young lefty. And lastly, utility man Ezekiel Duran of the Rangers was activated from the 10-day IL. He missed a couple weeks with mild oblique discomfort and he was great prior to that injury, batting 301 with seven homers, three steals, and a 135 WRC+. He can play all over the field, but we'll see most of his time in left field. Now we'll take a look at the notable performances from Saturday, a day in which we had a full slate of 16 games thanks to a doubleheader between the Rays and the Red Sox. We'll start it off with our hitters leading off with Marcus Semien versus the Mariners as he helped his team to a win, a big win. The offense went off here. He also went off going four for six, scoring four times with a home run, two doubles, and three RBI. 
That was his ninth home run on the season, and the home run traveled 402 feet with a 104.9 mile per hour exit velocity. Since breaking out in 2019, Semyon has had some ups and downs, but when he's on, there's almost no doubt he's the best second baseman in baseball. Last year's slow start depressed his end of season numbers, and they still ended up being really impressive. Now in the second season of his mega deal with the Rangers, he got the slow start out of the way much sooner and is having a season that rivals even his 2019 breakout and his 2021 home run record setting campaign. Batting atop the most dangerous lineup in baseball will make it difficult for Semyon to not finish with the most runs in the league. As long as he continues to crush the ball in the air to his pull side, the power will remain. And as long as he continues to be aggressive on the base pass, he will be one of the most beloved players by fantasy managers that roster him in their leagues. Luis Arias had a big game versus the A's as the Marlins won that one. He went a perfect five for five with a run, three doubles and five RBI. He's batting 390 now. And if you thought last year's AL batting title was impressive, just wait until you see what Arias is doing for an encore. He's looking to become just the second player in MLB history to win a batting title in both leagues. DJ LeMahieu was the other guy to do that. At this time last year, he was batting just 342. The biggest difference right now is a BABIP that is more than 70 points higher than last year, and it currently sits at a gaudy 405 mark. So batting 400 is definitely out of the question at this point. He's also not showing the same gains in the power department that he displayed last year with just a single home run this year after hitting eight last year. What might be the craziest part though is his continued advancements as a contact hitter. Last year, he was the most difficult hitter to strike out, but this year he somehow cut his strikeout rate down to a minuscule 5.1%. That would be the lowest mark by a qualified hitter since Placido Polanco in 2007. We haven't even seen a sub 7% mark since Victor Martinez in 2014. Arise's ability to avoid the strikeouts is unmatched in recent years. Strikeout percentage plus is a stat that adjusts for league context and era, similar to WRC plus and other plus stats. It shows us how strikeout rates compare across different generations. Logic suggests that a strikeout percentage plus below 100, which is league average, would suggest a player that stands out as an avoider of the punch out. So not including yesterday's efforts, Arise's 22 strikeout percentage plus places him in the top 15 since expansion in 1961. So he's 88% better than the league average right now. So we are witnessing one of the best contact hitters in recent memory work his magic so far. It's going to be a fun season to see how high Arias can finish the season in the average department. Elsewhere, Jake Bowers in Hollywood helped the Yankees to a win going two for three with a pair of home runs, two runs scored and four RBIs. He's up to five home runs now. Both home runs traveled at least 400 feet with an exit velocity of at least 107 miles per hour. Bowers is finally getting a chance to shine ever so slightly in the Bronx. He plays occasionally in the outfield and is the team's backup first baseman. He was a former top prospect with the Rays and displayed potential in his first two years with them in the Guardians. He's mostly known for being the return the Guardians got for Yandy Diaz. His biggest problem in the majors though has been struggles with the strikeouts. That hasn't changed this year though as he's striking out 34.7% of the time. Right now he's making up for it by walking more than 15% of the time and exhibiting a barrel rate north of 20% and a hard hit rate north of 50%. Bowers' batting average ceiling is capped but he will take advantage of the short porch in Yankee Stadium with that amount of pop in his bat. And lastly, we have Jake Fraley versus the Brewers. As he did all he could, but the Reds still went home with a loss. He went three for four with two runs, a home run, an RBI, and a walk, but he also chipped in a trio of stolen bases. He's up to six home runs and 11 steals now. I feel like I end up mentioning Fraley just about every other week, but this three-steal combo meal definitely deserved an honorable mention. He's a really streaky hitter, so his exceptional performances usually arrive in bunches. I remember the last time I mentioned him, it was back-to-back games of a lot of RBIs and a lot of home runs, 
My analysis in the past though has been that he's a streamer against right-handed starters when in Great American Ballpark, and that really hasn't changed. In fact, it won't change tomorrow either, as Fraley is set to square off against Adrian Hauser at home. He's worth the stream there, in my honest opinion, and should be owned in the majority of 15-team leagues because of his willingness to steal and his position as the cleanup hitter in Cincinnati. But if you'd like a breakdown of the notable hitting performances from Saturday, make sure to check out the Daily Batters Box article over on PitcherList.com. Now we'll head to the mound and look at the notable starting pitching performances, opening with Jose Barrios in Queens as he helped his team to a win. He took the bad luck, no decision here as he tossed six innings, allowing just four hits and earned run, three walks and six strikeouts. He had 11 whiffs and a 40% CSW, which earned him the King Cole on the day as the highest CSW mark. His curveball was his go-to pitch in this one. That's usually his signature pitch. And a new seven whiffs here for 49% CSW. Barrios's nickname is pretty well known around here. Nick has him dubbed the great undulator, meaning he alternates stretches of poor and exceptional performance, generally resulting in good season-long numbers, but with little rhyme or reason to his failures. It's usually a feel for his curveball that decides whether or not he's going to be good on a given day. Last year, the undulations were mostly negative. It seemed as though that trend was carrying over into this season as well, as Brios got off to a terrible start, but now he's in the midst of one of those extended positive stretches. Since May 6th, he's made six starts. During that time, he's pitched to a 2.16 ERA, so I think it's fair to say that Brios is back to being his usual undulating self and that last year was pretty much a fluke, but you can sort of guarantee that he will go back the other way as well and have a stretch of poor performances on the horizon. Brios will look to keep the positive run going, however, in his next outing versus the Astros. Dylan Cease helped his team to a win versus the Tigers. He took home the no decision as he tossed five and a third innings, allowing just two hits and one earned run while walking three with six strikeouts. He had a whopping 23 whiffs in this one with a 36% CSW. Those 23 whiffs led baseball as he earned the gallows pole on Saturday. The four-seamer slider combo was lethal in this one as the four-seamer earned seven whiffs and a 31% CSW and the slider had 10 whiffs with a 34% CSW. I was one of the biggest skeptics of Cease's 2022 breakout campaign. He had the highest walk rate among qualified starters and had a lot of luck in the ERA department thanks to an outsized amount of unearned runs. So I sort of expected his whip to have a capped ceiling and a pretty low floor, though I never expected such a precipitous fall off this year. The walks have actually gotten worse. The batted ball luck has subsided. And most shockingly, he's not a big strikeout guy anymore. That was his signature skill and the only thing I expected to remain this year. From 2021 to 2022, Cease trailed only Carlos Rodon, Garrett Cole, Corbin Burns, and Max Scherzer in strikeout rate among qualified starters. He was over 30% in that department. Now he's striking out fewer than 25% of batters and is looking like a pitcher that is only borderline rosterable. Right now, the only thing keeping him on fantasy rosters are the occasional bouts of success like we saw on Saturday, as well as his track record over the last couple of seasons. Saturday was a good reprieve from the battering, but I don't even have much faith that Cease will survive his next start versus the Marlins. Lastly, we have Alex Cobb versus the Orioles at home. He helped his team to a win here in the win going seven and two-thirds innings of scoreless baseball, allowing just five hits with no walks and seven strikeouts. He had 16 whiffs and a 35% CSW. His splitter, otherwise known as The Thing, was a whiff machine on Saturday, earning 14 whiffs while his sinker stole 11 strikes for 41% CSW. Cobb has been a really enticing pitcher over the past couple of years. After signing with the Giants prior to 2022, there was lots of hype surrounding what they could make of him as a pitching development machine. He arrived to spring training throwing two miles 
per hour harder, inspiring even more hype heading into the 2022 season. He had a great season that year, but it sort of left fantasy managers wanting more. They found hope in the nearly one run differential between his ERA and his ERA estimators. Cobb then debuted a new slider in spring training, ratcheting the hype up once again. While the velocity remains and his ERA is closer to those previous estimators, the slider has not become an integral part of his arsenal. But as long as he maintains a feel for his splitter and can use his curve to steal a few strikes, I don't think it'll matter too much. Cobb's next start might be one to avoid, however, as he heads to Coors Field to take on the Rockies. But if you'd like a breakdown of every single start from Saturday, give the Plus Pitch Podcast a listen and check out Nick's daily starting pitcher roundup over on pitcherlist.com. Now we'll head to the bullpen and look at the relievers that got saves and the closers that pitched outside of save situations or blew their saves. Starting off with these saves, guys, we had George Soriano of the Marlins earn a rare three-inning save. We also saw Eric Swanson vulture a save as Jordan Romano was resting. Kenley Jansen had a big day as he earned a save in game one of the doubleheader, but then gave up a go-ahead run in the ninth in game two as he was sort of extended past his means. We also saw Jason Adam, David Bednar, Craig Kimbrell, Devin Williams, Clay Holmes, and Ryan. Isla Iglesias earned saves, as well as Emmanuel Classe, who earned his MLB leading 18th save. Justin Lawrence was the last guy who got a save, and it's his second game in a row with a save, and it sort of looks like the closer role is changing hands in Colorado. Now for our closers to pitch outside of save situations or blow their saves, Camilo Duvall pitched with a four-run lead, so did Ryan Presley. Trevor May had a maintenance inning as he hadn't pitched since Monday. Scott Barlow did the same, pitching in the ninth inning with a deficit. He hadn't appeared since last Sunday. David Robertson gave up the go-ahead run in the ninth inning in a tie game. We also saw Alex Lang pitch in a tied game in the ninth. Liam Hendricks pitched in the seventh inning as they're still taking it easy on him on the south side of Chicago. But if you'd like a breakdown of the notable relief pitching performances on Saturday, make sure to give the Daily Reliever Ranks article a read over on PitcherList.com. Sunday's edition was written by yours truly. But before we look forward to today, we're going to take a quick break. Fads come and go and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow, and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com to sign up for your trial today. Now we'll send it over to the wonderful Mark Paquette with the weather. Thanks, Jake. Full schedule today. The only game that's going to see some weather issues is going to be Boston. It's going to be chilly, drizzly, damp. Probably nothing that's going to be able to impact the game, but it's at least something to keep an eye on. Other than that, we're good to go. So back to you. 
Thanks, Mark. Now we'll look forward to Sunday, June 4th, a day in which we'll have another full slate of 15 games. My matchup of the day is Nathan Eovaldi versus Bryce Miller. Eovaldi was going off in May, and I'm excited to see if he can carry it through the summer. And Bryce Miller has one of the most fun fastballs to watch in baseball. In terms of probable starters, we have four pitchers in the auto start tier, including Nathan Eovaldi. We also have Joe Ryan versus the Guardians, Sandy Alcantara versus the A's, and Zach Gallen versus the Braves. Our probably starts tier has eight guys, and our questionable starts tier has nine guys and that's where we'll find our streamer of the day in ranger suarez in washington his command has been much better recently and the nationals lineup is not scary i'd also keep an eye out for paul blackburn in miami as he was pretty good in his return from the il and the marlins lineup isn't super scary and also brady singer versus rocky road he's been pretty unfortunate this year pitching to an era over seven but rocky road is one of the most enticing matchups and i think singer could have a good day in terms of hitter suggestions i would say reds hitters versus Adrian Hauser in Great American Ballpark. It's the second best offensive ballpark in baseball. The aforementioned Jake Fraley is worth a stream as well as Nick Senzel who's been having a pretty solid season. I'd also look at White Sox hitters versus Matt Boyd. Andrew Benintendi has batted 389 versus Boyd in his career and Yon Moncada has also taken him deep in the past. And I will close things out with our relievers to watch. Kenley Jansen went twice on Saturday but the rest of the bullpen is extremely overworked so we could see a surprise save from like Nick Pavetta or even some Somebody more random than that. Devin Williams has gone back-to-back and in three of the last four days, so Joel Piamps may get the call if necessary. David Bednar has pitched on consecutive days, but so has setup man Colin Holderman, so Dory Moretta would be the next man up. And lastly, Justin Lawrence has pitched on three straight days for the Rockies, so Pierce Johnson could get a shot to reclaim his role, at least for a day. But that'll do it for today's episode of the First Pitch Podcast. Make sure to head on over to PitcherList.com to check out all the great articles and features we have on the site, including fantastic players pages and daily DFS suggestions. Join PL Pro to gain access to the Discord to interact with pitcherless staff such as myself and members of the community, as well as to utilize the in-season tools to help you win your leagues. That'll wrap up this edition of the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Jake Crumpler. Tune in tomorrow and every day for a new installment of the podcast. Bubba will be back with you on Monday and throughout the week and make sure to enjoy the day as we are blessed with another day of baseball. This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.